Welcome to another episode of Campfire Coders. I'm your host, Austin Cameron. And I'm your other host, Jesse Leet. Well, we launched the podcast. I'd like to talk about that first. Uh, we launched we launched it last week. Mm-hmm. I think it went really well. People listened. Thank you to every one of you wonderful people who listened. Yeah, thank you for all your support. Yeah, it was a pretty positive experience. You're always nervous launching something on the internet. Maybe we'll launch episode three today. We haven't really scheduled that, but um, Jesse, I have a, a piece of podcast meta to talk about at the beginning. It's very serious business. Sweet. Um, Give it to me. I haven't talked to Jesse about this until now, folks, but I think we need a jingle. What's it going to uh, be? Yeah, that's a, that's a good question. I've thought about it a bit, but not much. Okay. Honest. Lay your thoughts usually, on not me. not usually honest, but <laughs> <laughs> right. Um, yeah, I don't know. I don't have many thoughts. I mean, yeah. I'm thinking you should probably play a guitar part. Like, are you thinking funk, or are we thinking like you oh, know, gosh. kumbaya campfire guitar acoustic? <laughs> I don't know. We got some. Uh, well, our our uh, art is. We have some spacemen around a campfire. Campfire, right? Do we want to play on that theme? Do we just use like the like, audio of a crackling fire? Maybe. What sounds spacey? Well, yeah, a campfire. That's a good idea. Oh, I never considered space sounds together with a campfire. I mean, then we don't have to make a jingle and the crackling. Yeah. Hmm. Interesting. We'll have to we'll have to see. We'll have to mess with that. And we can also obviously retroactively add it to the other episodes. But I thought I, I, I if if I'm doing guitar, you're like hundred percent doing drums. I'm saying Well that that's that, right that was the plan with me saying that was that yeah. we could garage band collaborate on some uh, I don't if, know. I mean if it's ten seconds of music, I think we got this. Yeah, I don't know. <laughs> Maybe someday, but I think that the uh yeah, that like atmospheric campfire and you could have some like spacey you know, aliens are popular right now. I heard. I guess a little <laughs> right. like a little like you know creepy UFO sound in the background or something. Okay, yeah, I like. I mean, that's a pretty sim- symbolic jingle, whatever that means. But that's yeah. Okay. Well, I just wanted to put you on the spot and say what should we do maybe, with the jingle? Maybe a little bit of clacking from uh, the mechanical keyboard. Also, around, a good idea around the campfire. I'm going to go have quarters. to go back and re-listen because I'm not taking notes, but these are all good ideas. My only idea was you play guitar part so that I don't have to make up the first thing. <laughs> but, you know, that's a lot of pressure making up the first thing. So, Yeah. So, hey, you've been listening to Laracon talks at all? I have listened to a couple more since, since our last podcast episode i listened to or watched i rather on youtube uh steven's talk think like a hacker really good mm-hmm. and also aaron francis's talk um which was just as incredible as everyone says his delivery in that talk wonderful his you know the message very positive he's excited about it it gets me excited mm-hmm. um it's it's funny that I, you know, I didn't see that talk before we started this podcast, but you had gone to Laracon and seen it. And so it's just funny timing there. I it, yeah, it was. 
Yeah, well, you, yeah, you and I had kind of talked about this off air a little bit, but uh, just you know, talking with each other and thinking about side projects and that kind of thing. Watch it for me. Watching Aaron's talk was like, you know, I haven't done a side project in quite a while, um, aside from like Vim plugin stuff. <laughs> and uh, yeah, so you mentioned the podcast to me, and it was like, you know, Aaron had already. Aaron Francis had already kind of, I think, got a lot of people in the audience brewing their thoughts. You know, what what should I publish? You're telling me I should publish. What should I publish? So. Well, yeah, it's a tough publishing is is the hardest part. It seems, mm-hmm. and I think that was one of my big takeaways from Aaron's talk was publishing still hard for him for for all of us. And so, mm-hmm. um keep going. I mean, not everything you publish is going to be a home run. We talked about that, I think on the last episode a little, but what, what also really struck me about his talk was his delivery. Uh, just the way he spoke and paused and it was well, I don't know, well rehearsed is the right word or just that's, you know, he's just a champion at public speaking by now. Like good job, Aaron. It was Mm. a very uh, compelling talk because of the way it got delivered. And the the two examples I really loved were the timeline from the dumb tweet that started it all until the, the whole timeline example was great <laughs> um, and also funny to just kind of experience and the way he talked about that. But the, the GitHub talk failure example, which I think you had mentioned, I don't remember Briefly. if it was on air or not at this point, but yeah. yeah, you had mentioned to me like, oh, go look at his... Twitter banner, you know, that's like all the people who were, I'm like, okay, when you, when you see that part of his talk, I'm like, oh, really, really good example. So, yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. And then, Honest, honestly, oh. there was a lot, a lot of good talks there, but that one was interesting just because it was that, um, like we're talking about meta podcast, meta on a podcast, but it was like, you know, you go to a Laracon dev conference expecting to watch I mean you always get some meta type stuff you always get some like workflow some uh, you know more practical non-code non-tech talks at at Laracons but that one was like you know I think it hit home for a lot of people um, just because a lot of people want to share but are either they don't know how to start or they're too afraid to or they've tried and they've given up or all that kind of stuff, right? So you you got to give a lot of like credit to these creatives that we see, you know, like the Jack McDades and the Aaron Francis's. Anybody who's like posting content that yeah. is taking taking time to even if it's just um, little stuff, because sometimes the little stuff takes time. And yes, yes, it does. Or t- time and guts. So yeah, yeah. I mean, I think it it never seems to get easier. I have certainly struggled with like content production or rather publishing wise consistency. Mm -hmm. And it's not that my expectation that everything is going to be warmly received or, or groundbreaking rather. It's just, it can be hard or or rather a lot of times it's easy. Life can get in the way or whatever it is to, to stay consistent with that. But the less hard you are on yourself, the easier it is to stay consistent. Mm-hmm. But I don't know. That's something I've run into personally. Hey, but well, you mentioned this on the other episode too. Was just it seems like the people that do it well are the people that put in the reps. Yes. Yeah. 
And the, it's the first it's not, reps are the hardest. Yeah. And it's not that we necessarily have a ton of experience with that kind of stuff. But I mean, you if you take a step back and you try to look at the people who are putting themselves out there and it looks so effortless, but you also see how much they're doing and that, you know, the more you do anything, right. The more you yeah. play guitar, the more you get comfortable at playing guitar. Yep. Um, the first time you play that chord, it's, you're like, I don't know if I can do this. <laughs> I don't think my hand can do this. <laughs> yeah. Um, but then I still yeah. can't do the like Jimi Hendrix thumb over the top chords. Like at all. <laughs> I don't know if I just have fat stubby thumbs or what. <laughs> I can't do those very well on guitar at all. Yeah. Blame the guitar though. Blame the neck. So uh, yeah. Usually I try to, but it's hard when my friend has like 10 guitars and he's like, well, you can just do it this way. I'm like, but my hand <laughs> is cramping. <laughs> so yeah. yeah, he's the I only one who makes me play those style chords sometimes, or, you know, nice. heckles me for not doing them. Um, so Steven's talk, the think like a hacker talk, mm-hmm. uh, you know, yeah, it did make me sweat a little bit. It made me wonder, am I loading particularly a markdown file somewhere? Yeah, obviously, it's a you know contrived example with these specific steps. Um I thought it was the best example I've ever seen of a little hole becoming a large hole security-wise. I've Mm -hmm. never seen anyone do the whole run the whole gauntlet like that in in a talk or any sort of presentation. Mm -hmm. Um, Like yeah, he had like a a real app, you know, with a a practical example about how of how one little hole could be exploited, you end up blowing the whole system wide open. Yeah. And yeah. <laughs> so also I saw there was in in the playback when everyone was guessing passwords and they came up on the screen. I mm-hmm. saw someone had typed statomic rules. Was that you? <laughs> no, it wasn't. I have no so, idea who did that. Good job. Whoever, I mean whoever it was, did that. I thought it was it, funny. It was probably one of the I don't know how many statomic fans there were there, but it was probably one of the handful of us yeah i don't know some of the stuff coming up there um was funny wasn't there another one like taylor is goat or something (laughs) (laughs) i don't know there there were some funny ones and also some rude ones but that's you know you can't control that i suppose when you're doing a demo live like that so good job for steven to just kind of shrug that off in the talk and yeah i mean maybe that was stressful for for him i don't know but um i think that as someone watching the talk, it was extremely helpful to watch it go down live rather than just so, like, Oh yeah. You know, for example, your whether it's like, you know, cross site scripting or SQL injection or all the common things that people try to show you in a, in a uh, very like scripted YouTube video or a set of slides or, you know, a link and, but actually watching him do it to a site live in front of you, you know, typing everything out. Um, yeah. Showing yeah. you the tools or the techniques, that that's what like you know it's really helpful. I think um, just so that you know he had shown that um, common mark uh, markdown field thing where as soon as you can throw HTML in there, you're um, opening up a pretty big hole, right, in the admin panel. Well, so like just just yeah. stuff like that, right? Where you know we all use these features, or we you know that, but we don't necessarily think about user input that's that's always a scary thing whenever there's user input right so um, yeah watching it go down watching him uh do that live i think was much more helpful than if he just had a set of slides so i really appreciated that 
Yeah, well, so obviously you were there to experience the energy, and I would imagine people loved that talk because of how interactive it is alone. But mm-hmm. I thought it was very educational in, yeah, that it was kind of a cool overview of different types of vulnerabilities. Um, the the final one, or not necessarily the, the well, the path traversal one was mm-hmm. scary, mm-hmm. obviously. But for me, the one that made me sweat the most like is the one that you said, HTML in a field cross-site scripting. Like, mm-hmm. I... That one, like, I'm not a security expert, but that's the one that I'm like, there's got to be a hole somewhere in in these apps, you know? And it's like, you try to not do that. And um, particularly when you start getting into HTML or Markdown, WYSIWYG editors are a big uh, spot where that can be a problem. If you don't, I mean, you got to mm-hmm. purify the HTML that comes in that. Hopefully you don't allow script tags. <laughs> so. Yeah, exactly. Again, anytime there's user input, right? Yeah. Um, yeah, and see, with Statomic, it's interesting for us. I guess any uh, like closed off behind auth admin panel, because then whatever people do with user input, um, the people that have access to the thing are more trustworthy than just randoms on the internet, right? Right. So, Our, yeah. But you still have to. You still have to. I mean, it, you never know how how at what scale people are using your system too, uh, and how they're re- registering users, whether it's an open registration or not. Um. So yeah, it definitely makes you think. Oh, it yeah, it absolutely makes me think. Is this? I mean, there's a. Yeah, yeah. I mean, one of these days, maybe I'll hire Stephen and be like, hey, let's. I would love to see one of your security audits here. I'm sure I'd learn a ton from that. Mm-hmm. Uh, maybe I'll have the owner of the company pay for that when mm-hmm. when I'm ready. Mm-hmm. <laughs> for sure. Uh, but there's, yeah, he, I thought his talk was really good. It was obviously it was. a contrived example, but the fact that he did it interactively and just had the you know wherewithal to show that whole process of what seems like the initial simple vulnerability, like you guessed a password, all mm-hmm. the way into getting your database credentials or SP <laughs> or whatever. That's some pretty scary stuff. Yeah. Your strike keys, who knows what's in there? Oh, it's funny too, because I mean, if if anyone is listening to the, well, I guess the last episode, we haven't published that yet, but um, yeah, <laughs> we were talking about our our worst bug. And and that was one of mine that I had mentioned. I'll just quickly mention it again. We had a security audit at my last job, and I was responsible for a a regex, 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 <laughs> a re- <Thumbs> up again. <laughs> regular expression route um, with a a bad pattern. And um, yeah, so that they had found they had basically done uh, the whole path traversal thing back to our ENV and said, "Hey, look, we can get your." database credentials. So that was a big eye opener for me. Um, and I'm thankful that we caught it in a security audit. So, yeah. Okay. Mm-hmm. Well now you're convincing me to do the security audit even sooner. <laughs> yeah. I don't know. I mean, uh, I think that, and, and maybe they can get expensive. I don't know, but I guess it just depends, you know, on, you know, how, what, what's your app doing? How many users do you have? You know, how exposed is it? You know, yeah. how, how important is the business? Is it, you know, yeah. obviously you consider it an expense. Um, right. So, yeah. And yeah. I, 
So what you're I, telling me is I should be reaching out to Steven yesterday and <laughs> seeing what he's charging for one of these audits. Well, yeah, to, to be honest, I think that the company I was working for, they were told, you know, you should do quarterly security audits, right? And I had been working there for two years and then we finally did one. Um, <laughs> That's, isn't that how it so always goes though? <laughs> I, I think many companies do that, right? It's yeah. just that, you know, you know, you probably should. I mean, same thing when you go to the dentist, they're like, you know, I'd like to see you in nine months. And many of us are like, okay, see you in three years. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. <laughs> we know we should go, but yeah. So true though. The dentist yeah. I've been going to is like started, was like, oh, we'll see you in four months. And I was like, my dental insurance only pays for two a year. And they're very strict about that. I learned this because I had to pay for the last cleaning. Mm-hmm. And unexpectedly, and it was fine. But I was like, oh, okay. If I would have waited a week, we would have been. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, okay. So yeah, the other the other talks were were uh, really good. Did you want to segue into some live wire? Yeah, I'm still going to watch the other talks. I might actually stream a couple of them tomorrow. Nice. And just watch them because I need to do that anyway. I want to watch the prompts talk in particular. Oh, yeah, that was a good one. Um, well, you, yeah, you said that it was really good and all that. I want to see these terminal animations and it sounds like something I'd be into. So I'm going to definitely watch that one and try to catch up on the rest of them soon. Um, what? Yeah, what else should we talk about? Um, I had a couple of really good conversations uh, with people at Laracon about Livewire inertia and all that kind of stuff. Okay. With that? Yeah, sure. What give me give me the gist maybe of some of these or yeah, where do we start? So I don't know. Just seeing there's always uh, there's always you know devs have opinions, right? And um, I think I mean, Laravel's except you and me. I don't know. Except you and me. Yeah, we don't yeah. have opinions, but no, um, only about microservices in React and Vim. Yep. <laughs> uh, <laughs> Uh, Laravel's been really good at staying pretty unopinionated about front end, um, but giving us a lot of options, right? So they have the whole, you know, jet stream, breeze, presets, all that stuff where you can sort of opt into whatever front end framework you want. Um, At Statomic, we're using a lot of Vue, uh, JS. And yeah, uh, go ahead. Are you guys using inertia? No, we're not. Um, probably could, but we basically had a lot of that scaffolded out just with the standard controllers and skeleton views and everything. Um, I guess before the live wire inertia thing started uh, getting bigger. And in hindsight, um, I don't know. I've kept a pretty close eye on pretty close eye on. Livewire especially, but both of them. Um, but it, but the the interesting conversation that kind of I noticed kept coming up with people at Laracon was everyone talks about it as if it's Livewire versus inertia. Do you notice that? Yeah, yeah. It seems. I mean, you see it on Twitter and stuff like that too. That's yeah. That's been the like like these are the only two options. Or, but it's funny because if it like I don't remember where I saw this, but it's not my idea. But inertia is not really like the same level of no. abstraction, right? Like inertia's when you use inertia, you're really using like Vue, React, or Svelte. 
Yeah. It's or, just the glue right? between those. Yeah. So it's yeah. really like the conversation should be more like live wire versus react or live wire versus Svelte or live wire versus view or something. Right. Yes, exactly. Um, and so inertia is pretty cool because it gets rid of that. If you're using one of those uh, front end frameworks, it gets rid of that. I guess if you're going for more of a SPA style or like a full page style component, you can kind of get rid of that skeleton blade view, right? Yeah, which um, is where you're passing awesome. data right right into the component. Um, but I think the thing for me that, um, and I'm curious on your thoughts on this, is that with Livewire, a lot of people seem to make that again. Seems like a kind of a a weird argument, but they're like, no, this is a PHP versus JavaScript thing. So Livewire is cool because I don't have to write JavaScript. That's what it seems <laughs> like. It seems like that's what people argue. Do you, I don't know if you find that. I f- well, I'll say this: it definitely helps to be able to write JS in terms of mentally comprehending what Livewire and or Alpine, or effectively mm-hmm. in, in V three. In a lot of ways, it's the same thing. I mean, mm-hmm. most of the ways, right? It's there's no so like Livewire V two had a had the JS layer on the Livewire side and Alpine, and you were kind of right. using them together. And in V three is just Alpine, right? Every every component, which is awesome. It's the way it should have. It, it's the way it needed to be. Yeah. After working on the Livewire code base a bit, it's it's definitely the way that the future held for Livewire. And I'm so mm-hmm. glad that Caleb did that. But in terms of PHP versus JS, like, yeah, you're going to probably write less JavaScript, but if you want like a really interactive component, at some point you're probably going to have to go into Alpine. Now with V3, I would say it's less and less so, especially because like you can do the crazy write JS in PHP stuff now right. in V3. And I, I haven't gotten a chance to use V3 hardly at all. Uh, that's another thing I would like to do if I stream tomorrow is continue right. my path of actually using it um, because we haven't upgraded the work app, our work app to V3 just yet. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and, and you're using Livewire, I think, at work like quite a fair bit. You said, Everywhere, right? yeah. yeah. So, I mean, when, when Livewire, the original version, came out, my reaction was this is the the biggest like paradigm shift I've seen since I started writing PHP a long time ago. I mean, I was blown away. I'm like, yeah. Cause when Caleb first, very first started kind of teasing it on Twitter, he was like, Oh, it uses WebSockets." And then by the time he showed me it the first time, it was all just Ajax. And I'm like, wait, wait, we, Mm. now we can do this without WebSockets, and it's live enough. I mean, it's kind of Mm. stateless and that it uses Ajax that way, but Mm. he showed me that and I'm like, this is going to be, this is going to be big. Like this is awesome and a great way to develop apps and you can just have it all in one and, and mm-hmm. Livewire's come a super long way since then. It's, it's interesting to hear these thoughts, but it's also interesting to hear how people argue their case about them. Cause the thing that I see, and this is a bit from the outside cause I haven't, I, I, I dabble with Livewire, but I haven't used it on anything in production. Um, but the thing that I get most excited about is blurring the line between the server and the client. Yes. Um, and that's the thing that I feel like, you know, people are talking about this, you know, live wire inertia, live wire versus whatever as a, you know, uh, a PHP versus JavaScript thing, you know, a language choice almost. But for me, it's like, who cares about the language? Uh, you can, you can love both. But for me, what, yeah. like the, pra- there's this practical benefit of 
you know, you just thinking in terms of something like Viewer React, you with like standard Laravel MVC, you pass a bunch of props into a front end view and then into a component, and then you pass those props down through a bunch of bunch more props. Right. You, bu- you bubble <laughs> you bubble events back up, and as you pass data down, I'm using hand motions here. Nobody can see this. Yeah. <laughs> as you pass uh, down props the rabbit down, hole. Yeah. Yeah. Props down from the server down. Once you cross that server client side line, it becomes. It's not rocket science, but it's harder to go back up, or it's a pain. It's a pain point. Let's put it that way. So, you you cross you passing data down from a PHP controller down into the front end and into your view component isn't that bad. You're just passing it through. Yeah. Um, but now your state is now all in the front end, and as soon as you want to start speaking with the server again, now you're writing new. You essentially you're writing an API. You're writing new endpoints in your Ajaxing back up through that API, that local, even if it's just a local local endpoints. Um, and that's not like we all do this. We've all done it plenty, right? Yeah. It's not. Oh, yeah. It's not necessarily difficult. But if you're just trying to do a small little thing, or if you want to talk about testing, that's a whole other animal, right? Well, right. Yeah. So su- suddenly, all of your states in the front end, and 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 testing uh, data driven stuff in front end components. Suddenly, you have to ditch PHP unit. You're moving over into you know, view test utils or something, and now you're dealing with all it's it's a whole different ballgame. And with Livewire, I feel like it's that blurring of the client side, uh, or sorry, the server side client side line where if you're di- it's not about li- having to live in PHP or JavaScript, but it's the fact that you have this PHP class with state that can be tested using PHP unit. Or you can modify the stuff in that PHP class without having to like set up your own endpoint, without having to do your own AJAX. It's kind of all that tedious legwork of going back up to the server is just sort of done. Yeah, that's a really good way to look at it and put it in that. It's very true. the 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 concept of blurring the lines. Um, obviously, you you can write a lot less JavaScript to do simple things with Livewire, but like I said, at some point you're usually reaching for like the Alpine side. Maybe right. it's uh, maybe it's for speed if you're dealing with a lot of things. Like there's some things that are better to do client side. Um, you know, maybe you're like, for example, if you have a bunch of records with checkboxes on them and you're rendering those all with Livewire, I mean, generally you would like check all the checkboxes and, and you would model.defer in Livewire v2, which is the default in v3, but you wouldn't want to send those to the server until the user hits a submit button or something like that. But it's it can be easy to accidentally send a bunch of requests and mm. with Livewire v2 in particular. Livewire v3 has that smart batching. I haven't even looked at the source code yet for that. I'm curious how, I can't remember how that works, but there's like smart batching of all these network requests, which is really, that was a, a huge criticism of Livewire from some folks. And in in practicality, I find that the amount of requests that it sends, unless you're doing something live unintentionally, like most of the time I don't use the live model binding, I use the deferred one, which is why it's, and I think everyone did, that's why it's now default. Mm-hmm. But in, in my my real experience is there's really not many cases where the amount of requests going back and forth matters. Right. Um, 
and maybe and, you know, I can't speak for like crazy high traffic websites, but we at my work get a, a lot of users and it's not like, you know, it's not like Reddit level, but at the same time, it we we don't really have a lot of like server scaling problems in that regard and certainly not from the Livewire side. Mm-hmm. Um, but see, that it, everything you're explaining is, you know, talking about how many requests are going back and forth and whether people have problems with that or not. That's what blows my mind. And I know that Livewire has been out for a few years. You're talking to someone who's only <laughs> only been ex- like excited about it and playing with it, but not using it um, in production. But it's it's like imagine telling yourself, you know, five plus years ago, imagine you can speak with the server without having to write your own endpoints to speak with the server. Right. Right. And you'd be like, you know, how? And so it's it's really pretty ingenious. And if the problem it is. if the problem is just balancing the number of requests um, based on like reactivity and stuff in the DOM, it feels like Caleb's doing a really sick job just like fine tuning all that for the eighty percent users, right? Yeah. Oh, one hundred percent. The the choices he made in V three make a lot of sense for, well, from an optimization perspective, but just from a how you would expect it to be perspective, like the defer model by default is what you're using eighty or ninety percent mm-hmm. of the time, mm-hmm. and I, I haven't like I like I said I haven't used V three enough personally to know if this is still a sticking point. But I I saw uh, with myself and and other people just helping them that a big sticking point in V two was this. You were talking about blurring the line between JS and PHP. It was mm-hmm. that line specifically between Livewire and Alpine. And people would right. back themselves into kind of weird corners there sometimes. And they'd be like, right. well, when do I make this an Alpine component? When do I make it a Livewire component? <laughs> How do I know? Um, like, Whereas in, v- in V3, he was showing off stuff like, uh, you know, a lot of the Livewire directives are just Alpine aliases at this point. Right, right. Yeah. And yeah, well, besides that, as if it's it's can be a different paradigm to to figure out when you're debugging, and this mm. will also be better in in v three. But it's just kind of different if you're used to regular old PHP or or even the the view. I haven't used inertia, but the kind of view, you know, controller Laravel controller that's like an API that makes the component type of thing. Yeah, yeah, um, that. It can be a different, like a mindset shift, and that's hard at first. But you get used to it, and you can just think in the way of these live wire components. And right, right. I don't know. I love it. Obviously, I'm a live wire shill. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Oh, I, yeah. I'm super excited to to use it more. You have to show me. Yeah, I. You know, I. Yeah. Well, we'll have I to hack on something together at some point. I think we've. I've decided. I'm definitely streaming tomorrow, and we're doing live wire v three. So. Sweet. We can, you can join and we can struggle in public together. <laughs> Sweet. Uh, and I mean, and yeah, and I, I think it's cool that Laravel gives plenty of options for people who, have, you know, they have their preferred flavors of JavaScript. Can't knock that. But I don't know. I'm really excited about the stuff that uh, Caleb showed off in Livewire v3, and I'm not even using it. So, well, you've mentioned <laughs> testing yeah. and. Testing's yeah. huge. Testing's, I mean, with Livewire, I want to mention something else that I didn't really consider until I used Livewire a bunch, and that is the just the idea of context switching. And mm-hmm. 
like it's the same kind of feeling or idea that Tailwind CSS has, right? You don't have to leave your HTML and go to the .css file and there's less context switching and it's all kind of there. And Liveware does that with that server side, client side line a lot. Mm -hmm. um, and what's really cool is like my experience in V2 was generally the, the best workflow I found when I'm like, well, I might need Livewire for this, but I'm not sure yet on this thing I'm building. I would start with like just a normal blade component. And then when it started to be need to be interactive, I would add Livewire. And then if I needed like a specific Alpine component within that, then I would go that that deep. You know, unless right. I was starting from the start with like an external JS library or something, then it makes sense to just do a blade component with Alpine. That's also another scenario, but yeah. So there's there's some mud in the blurring of the lines in V2 is my point. And V3, I believe, should should all be gone. So let me ask you that. How do you find, actually I have two questions for you then. So um, how do you find that refactoring when you start simple and then expand out? So for example, on our statimic.com like marketing site uh, where we sell the licenses and you know have host you know, user accounts and everything, mm -hmm. um, we don't use Livewire there, but we use a lot of uh, Alpine, mm. like quite, quite a bit of Alpine, but we still have some Vue.js in there as well. And so there's been a couple times that I've been in there where I start with something that needs a little bit of JavaScript and I start with Alpine and stick with Alpine and it's great. Yeah. Um, but then there's been once or twice where I'm like, you know what? Um, I think this would benefit from a little bit more. And so we refactor it out to a view component. And it's usually not so bad, but I mean, it does all of a sudden mean creating a .view file, registering the component. Copying your templating out, sure. changing some directives, that kind of thing. So, and that I think with uh, Blade and Vue.js, if you're just going straight from Blade to Vue.js, that's that's not rocket science, but it's a bigger deal for some people, right? Yeah, I um, mean, it it is. I was going to say from Blade to like a Livewire component is yeah. just a matter of where the file stored usually, right? Well, and you know, V2, we're talking prior to. Volt. So Volt, yeah. There there's yeah. no, you know, there was no single file kind of things in in that. Right. I'm not even sure if you can do that in Volt now. Maybe you can. Right. But you know, so there it's just like, oh, I gotta make this PHP class, and that's where the state comes from. And then you move the mm -hmm. blade component view into another thing. Um, most of the time mm -hmm. I try to stick with the blade component, it seems. In terms of again, I think the sticking point for a lot of folks and myself sometimes would be if it's a live wire thing and it needs to actually probably be an Alpine thing, or if it's an Alpine thing and it probably should have been a live wire thing. Right. In a, in a lot of cases, I find sometimes I have what I, it depends. Like if you're building a form, um, like a form component, like a, imagine like a select box that you can also search and it's kind of like right. a type ahead situation. If you're building one of those, a lot of times it's, it makes more sense to make that kind of an a blade component that is also an Alpine component, right? And then just use that within an, a Livewire component. That's yeah, use yeah. them together. But the, the the cool thing is, a lot of these problems either become significantly easier or go away. I think in V three, yeah, especially because it's all built on top of Live or uh, Livewire V three is all built on top of Alpine. Yeah. Completely. Yeah. So I have some, well, oh, 
Is that the end of your questions? Did we, um, my next question. It? Yeah. My next question was, let me grill you some more. That's fine. <laughs> uh, so you had mentioned testing. What's your experience with testing Livewire? So at work, we don't really do a lot of dusk tests. Uh, although if you were to go look at the Livewire source code itself, there are a lot of dusk tests. And it's actually, uh, at least the V2 code base was really enlightened. It's really a fun one to look at how Caleb's using those uh, dusk tests to test all these crazy things that in Livewire. And it, it makes a lot of sense for that, right? Because like you said, it's right. the blurring of that server and client-side line, and dusk can do all the client-side stuff. Right. Um, and that was especially important when it had it, Livewire had its own JS code base. And I think a lot of it maybe is in the Alpine Jest stuff now. I would imagine there's still dusk tests though. And, but testing in general, I found to be really, really good. Um, most of the 90 some percent of the tests that I've written for Livewire are the, like, we don't have to do anything weird. We can just fire up the component and, I mean, usually the tests I write are like one to make sure that the component is actually shown on a page, and that's not really a live wirey test. It's just mm -hmm. that the component exists. And then, you know, like yeah, being able to boot up like a testing version of the components and just test them, like you said, in a PHP unit test, it's mm -hmm. it's just a, a huge benefit. Like, do you guys test a lot of stuff uh, view component wise at Statomic? Um, no, so no, that's okay. <laughs> Uh, we have, I'm really proud of our, I think we're really proud of our backend uh, PHP tests. Our suite is uh, pretty big, but the front end tests uh, are quite slim. Like we don't really have any UI tests at all. I know there's like you view test utils and all that kind of stuff. Uh, we have a little bit, a small Jest test suite where we're testing more just like data flow and logic stuff that really matter for, um, I guess, data consistency or like data integrity. So, for example, like in Statomic, we have field conditions where you can show and hide fields based on other field values. Mm. And so, um, a lot of those conditions, there's so many operators and uh, there, there's so many co complex scenarios where you're comparing. You know this field type to that field type. Should you show this field? And if the field is, if the field is hidden, do you submit that field or not? Um, right, right. And so we ha we have quite a bit of uh, front end testing around some of the logic side, like some of the validation and data flow, but not like there's nothing that's testing UI elements at all. Like no clicking on this button, you know, none of that kind of stuff. So, yeah the the thing that I love about the Livewire tests that is obvious, but needs to be said, is that they're just PHP unit tests, and they're yeah, fast yeah. because of that. They're yeah. very fast, and so that's that's like at our work or my work, we don't have a lot. We don't basically have any Dusk tests because it's slow, mm -hmm. and our whole architecture relies so much on the test passing and then automatic deploys happening that mm -hmm. yeah, I just it would just really slow us down if we had. A bunch of slow tests. I mean, our test suite's large enough that it seems slow anyway, and it's just a bunch of PHP unit tests with mocks. So, right, right. Yeah, I, I love and, that and part it, about it, and I take it for granted now. Yeah, probably. I think that's that's another thing too. You know, people again, make just seeing that debate online. It's like all the tailwind debates. You know, 
<laughs> a lot of the tailwind debates often end up being um, mindset related. You know, it's like your mindset going into the thing, um, or there's just it seems like there's always a lot of like straw man type um, comparisons, right? Where again with LiveWire, it's like you know, to me, it's not a PHP versus JavaScript thing. It's the fact that it blurs the server side client side line, and just things like you know that just the testing helpers that Caleb provides, I think are proof of that, you know, that that line is blurred and, you know, you don't have to worry about making endpoints to send back up stuff back up to the server. There's testing helpers that, you know, your state's in PHP, you can test state related stuff in PHP, you know, there's, there's no stoppers there. Whereas, um, yeah, in Laravel and React and Vue, and all that kind of stuff. It's I'm not knocking it at all, but you do have to, once you jump that line, you have to jump the line everywhere, right? So you jump the line in your test suite as well. And now you're pulling in JavaScript tests and you have to adopt a whole new assertion library, a whole new framework. It's a good point. Kind of so yeah, It's a good point because a lot of the tests we write, you know, you're writing, oh, assert that the component has this state on the PHP side. But if you really, you know, if it's a critical piece, a lot of times you're, Asserting some HTML fragment is on on the within the component, right? And right, right. You couldn't, you can't really click on stuff and do that JavaScript side, obviously, with PHP unit tests. And so, yeah, that's yeah. It's something that I totally take for granted now because I just am so enveloped in the LiveWire side of things. But it, not to say that inertia is bad either. I mean, use what you want, people. Oh yeah, I like Svelte. I, mean, yeah. I like Svelte a lot. Views fine. Yep. The other one we don't talk about it. <laughs> <laughs> we don't have opinions though. Oh, <laughs> yeah. No, I'm with you, and and I'm excited about all this stuff. But you know, we love Vue.js too. So. Oh yeah. Yeah. You know what? There's a, there's always a grass with I think with software development. There's always a grass is greener on the other side element too. Where when there's a new toy to play with, you get really excited about it. Um, but I don't know. I re- I really do think that Livewire is proving itself to be a. You know, he's a few years in now and killing it. And I think you know it's really proving itself to be uh, a game changer. So. Yeah, I think you can build a lot of really interesting stuff with a with not a ton of code as well. Not that you can't do that with Vue or React, but the it, it comes down to yeah, the testing and the context switching. For me, that's an easy choice with those two. Mm-hmm. Uh, and obviously if you have a, a non greenfield project <laughs> like Statamix, you know, architecture's been around for a while. So it doesn't make sense for you guys to switch at all, especially with the whole It'd be a developer. Lot of yeah. Well, the developer ecosystem too. If you're making like a, a control panel extension, and then you guys do a major version upgrade and change everything to Livewire, yeah. All the community members who spent all this time learning those view hooks or whatever you guys call, I forget what they're called, but yeah, they they're kind of just left out to dry. Like, oh, I guess we can't. So, yeah, yeah. But the, well, there is a Livewire for Statmic anyway. Uh, yeah, for the so you're talking about the control panel extensions and well, yeah, you know, not for that, but or cu- custom field types or different things like that. So that obviously that you know we have all the view hooks and we have you know we scaffold out view components for them and stuff like that. But um, yeah, on the front end, it's still sort of 
uh, unopinionated, right? So just like in a Laravel app, you can kind of use what you want on the front end. You know, we we have uh, antlers, but we have a lot of people that use Blade. They don't use antlers. Um, we also like, have like me. I use Blade. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Sorry. And no, oh, that's, that's cool. Blade's Blade's awesome. And um, yeah, it's the same thing with the the JavaScript stuff. Like Statimic tries to not really have an opinion on that. So in the front end, you do what you want. So it's true. And in fact, I believe my website uses Livewire, uh, Livewire component. Nice on top nice. of Statimic for. I can't remember what it is. Maybe it's like the mentions the or the web, whatever those are called, web mentions. Nice. You got a pretty good, cool uh, dark dark mode, light mode worker too. <laughs> uh, yeah. <laughs> I mean, I always want. It's the the curse of like, with the with it like this. If for those of you who haven't seen it, like you click dark mode and the sun sets and the moon comes up, right? Yeah. And it's like light mode and it's like the the day cycle changes again. So let's be clear. I'm super happy with that. It took me an absurd amount of time on stream to like figure out how to animate the SVG like that. But I doesn't, doesn't mean that I still don't want to uh, redo the illustration on there. <laughs> it's just, it's, <laughs> it's been like that same kind of like flat ish looking illustration for a long time. And I thought it would be fun to do a different one, but I'll probably never get around to doing that, and it's good enough. Hey, you've updated your site more than I have. My site's, I don't think I've touched it for like five plus years. <laughs> that's, I mean, that's how it goes, right? You get all gung-ho yeah. about some new thing, and you build a new site, and then you don't touch it for years, right? Who else has yeah. done that? Raise your hand out there. I knew it. <laughs> yeah. Tell us. Yeah, speaking yep. of telling us, we'd love to hear what you folks thought of the first few episodes if you've made it this far thanks again Mm -hmm. yeah thank you for all your support and um yeah people tweeting at us has been really cool um yeah it's been really a really cool run so far well uh do we talk about anything else we end it here i don't know we can end it here start another one yeah let's do that let's do that all right thanks for listening everybody